This is Orson Welles on the Air, featuring the old-time radio performances of the legendary Orson Welles. Welcome back to Orson Welles on the Air. We'll hear more from the lives of Harry Lyme this week, prequel of sorts to the Third Man movie. The series aired for 52 episodes between August of 1951 and July of 1952. We'll hear the 10th offering. It's titled Operation Music Box. This one aired October 5th. 1951. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character, originally created in the motion picture The Third Man, with zither music by Anton Karras. That was the shot that killed Harry Lyme. He died in a sewer beneath Vienna. As those of you know who saw the movie The Third Man, yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme. But it was not the beginning. No. He had many lives. And I can tell you about all of them. How? Because my name is Harry Lyme. Now, kiddies, London, which is the capital of England, is noted for a number of curious historical events. King Charles was beheaded in London. They had a fire there and a plague. And it is also the place where Harry Lyme broke three music boxes and founded an orphan asylum. Please don't ever say I'm not a music lover and a philanthropist. Because I'm not. Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man, in today's story, Operation Music Box. Good afternoon, uh, Mr. Dowdley. That's right, madam. I'm interested in a music box. Certainly, madam. We have a number. I'll go and get them. Uh, just a moment, though, Mr. Dowdley. I'm only interested... <laughs> he didn't hear you. I think he must be a little deaf. I guess so. You know, you make me homesick. What do you mean? Don't you know what it is to be homesick? Sure do. I've only been away a few weeks, and I'd certainly like to be back. But why do I make you homesick? Well, you make me think of Central Park and the Fountain Better Plaza, Fifth Avenue in the morning in May, and the sound of roller skating on the sidewalk downtown. 
boot of shipping on the East River. Everything, in fact. How do you know I come from New York? <laughs> I just guessed. Here's your check, Mr. Lyme. Oh, thank you, Mr. Mr. Entwistle. Here we are, madam. These are all the music boxes we have. These two are 17th century, and this one 18th century. This one... Well... That's a delightful tune, isn't it? I should have explained, Mr. Darley. I don't care if the music boxes were made in the 17th, 18th, or 19th century. I don't care when they were made. What I want to know is, when did you buy them? But, madam, surely the value of a music box lies in when it was made, not when it was bought. Not to me, Mr. Darley. I'm only interested to know whether you purchased any music boxes between February and June of last year. We're here to sell antiques, Miss... Uh... Chappick. Uh, Miss Chappick. Not to disclose records of our purchases. Sorry, if you'll excuse me butting in, I guess what this lady's trying to say is that she's ready to buy any music boxes you happen to purchase during that period that she's been... I'm not trying to say anything. I'm quite capable of making myself understood. Oh, thank you. But, Sorry. Miss Chappick, do I take it that it is as Mr. Limehead suggests? Yes. Well, in that case, we'll see what we can do for you. Uh, what do our records say, Mr. Entwistle? Ah, yes, uh, let me see. Uh, yes, uh, during the period in question, sir, we, um, we purchased um, four music boxes. Uh, three of which have since been sold. And the fourth? Uh, it's the one Mr. Dowdley's holding at the moment, madam. May I look at it, Mr. Dowdley? Certainly. Got a hammer. A hammer? A hammer? A hammer. Yes, a hammer. Gee, you're not going to buy this music box just to smash it up, are you? Yes, do you mind? It's well, all right with me. Well, I've never heard of such a thing. In 50 years' experience of selling antiques, I've never heard of such a thing. Well, why should you <laughs> care? You can name your own price. Well, there's a little more to it than that, isn't there, Mr. Entwistle? Certainly, I think so. Miss Chappick, I don't like to see beautiful things willfully destroyed. No? I said you could name your own price, Mr. Dowdley. Oh, in that case, I must warn you the price will be stiff one. Entwistle, give Miss Chappick a hammer. Very well, Mr. Is uh, this a habit of yours, breaking up music boxes? You don't know how many I've broken up in the last week. Oh, here comes your hammer. Here you are, Miss Chappick. Thank you. <sighs> no good. And that little act of wanton destruction, Miss Chappick, will cost you exactly 35 pounds. It's okay, Mr. Dowdley, but I'd like you to do one thing more for me, if you will. I'd like you to let me have the names and addresses of the people who bought those other three oh, music boxes. Music yes, I'll pay a stiff price for that, too. Oh. Let me get you a taxi. Don't bother. Oh, I thought he was going to refuse to give you those addresses. Well, he didn't, did taxi. he? Taxi? Oh, so he's trying that when the flag's down. I know. He's waiting for me. Well, in that case, you can give me a lift. I don't suppose for a minute we're going in the same direction. That's just where you're wrong. And that's how I met Myrna Chappick. My interest in this girl was twofold. First of all, she definitely started where the petty girls left off. And secondly, there's this little matter of the music boxes. My left little toe was twitching. Could have been the damp weather, of course, but with me it's usually a sign that money is in the air. Anyway, an hour later we were on our fourth martini. And Myrna was beginning to unbend. Now, come on, Myrna. What is all this? What's the idea of busting up all those music boxes? Have you heard of Yan Chappick? 
You mean the Czechoslovakian guy, the politician? Yeah. What's he got to do with it? The day before he died, he wrote me a letter from London. Hand me my purse, will you? Yeah, here you are. Here. You can read it. My dear Myrna, you will not know me except perhaps from seeing my picture in the paper many years ago, but then that is not surprising, because I only know you from seeing yours. The other day I happened to see in an old issue of the American magazine Esquire a colored photograph of Myrna Chapik. I couldn't help remarking the resemblance to your mother, my sister, who left for America some 25 years ago. Had you ever heard of this guy? Did your mother ever mention him? Mm, not that I remember. Well, how come he took your mother's name, not your father's? My father's name was Chappick. He was a coal miner in Pennsylvania. It's a funny thing, your mother marrying a man of the same name, wasn't it? Well, as a matter of fact, it wasn't. She was an Italian. And the man who wrote this letter wasn't your uncle? No, it couldn't have been it. You know I'm talking too much. I don't know whether it's you or the martinis. It's both. Well, go ahead, read the rest of it. Okay, now, my dear niece, this is a painful task which I have before me, but really there is no possible choice. You must know that when the communists seized control in my country, a price was put on my head and I only managed to escape at the very last moment by concealing myself in the tail of an American airliner which was leaving Prague that night. Like many others in Europe in those terrible last years, I managed only to take away with me the meagerest of possessions, a small traveling case light enough for me to, to carry, for I was ailing and feeble even then. I have said that the purpose of this letter is a painful one, but perhaps you will not find it so, because after all, you do not know me, and surely will not receive the news of my death with any sorrow. But the fact is that I will be gone by the time you read these words, which are not intended so much for a farewell. People who don't know each other can't very well say goodbye, can they? But as a last will and testament, I am leaving you the contents of my little suitcase, Myrna, a few shirts, a necktie, and the unfinished manuscript of my last book. These you will not find very exciting, I'm afraid, and I can't imagine you're traveling across the ocean to claim such an inheritance. But there is a music box, Bernard. Hmm. It's the only thing of value I could take away with me on my flight. I want you to have it, and I give you my word that it will be worth your trouble to come after it. The landlady, who is not a sympathetic woman, has not been entrusted with a secret, and unluckily she has not been paid for the rent of this attic room for several weeks. By the time you come to London, she will have sold it, and you must find out where and to whom, and you must buy it back. And now my hand is very tired, and I cannot go on pushing this pen across the paper for many more words. I send my blessing to the child of my sister, who has inherited her wonderful green eyes, and also something else almost as wonderful and almost as green. Your Uncle Yan. Huh. Almost as wonderful, almost as green, that... That could be emeralds. I'm sure that's what it is. And you think the emeralds are concealed in the music box? In a false bottom or I something? I don't think it. I know it. And I'm going to get those emeralds if I have to break up every music box in London. I left Myrna a good deal later that night. We had a wonderful time. I had her promise that we'd meet the next evening. I also had something else. I had that list from Dowdley's antique shop. Oh, yes, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking I pinched it out of her purse. And you're right. That's what I did. Somewhere in London, there were three music boxes, and one of those three was a fortune in emeralds, and I've always been a great believer in the old adage, finders, keepers. Yes, if anybody was going to break up any music boxes, 
was going to be me. Good yes. morning. Uh, is Miss Moira Corkbottle at home? No, she's out. Well, have you any idea where she's gone? Well, I wouldn't like to say for sure, but well, you could try the Velvet Penguin. All right, the... The Velvet, uh, the what? Uh, the Tonight Club. Velvet Penguin, but a nightclub. This is ten o'clock in the morning. Well, if she's anywhere, that's where she'll be. Orson Welles returns in just a moment as the Third Man. Orson Welles, as the third man, continues with today's story, Operation Music Box. Like all nightclubs, the Velvet Penguin looked more than ordinarily squalid at 10.30 in the morning. Most of the chairs were piled up onto the tables, and by the glare of a work light, an unhappy-looking character in shirt sleeves was pounding the piano. A girl was singing. Three or four other girls were waiting their turn, while a committee of fat, sleek gentlemen sat in judgment. Okay, honey, that'll be enough. We get the idea. Yeah, what's your name again? Moira Corkbuttle. Yeah, we'll let you know if anything turns up. Don't call us, we'll call you. Next. Uh, pardon me, Miss Corkbottle. Yes? My name is Lyme. I'd like to talk to you for a minute, if you don't mind. What's it about? A job? Well, no, it, it isn't. I'm not interested. I've just about as much of this audition racket as I can take. I'm I fed up imagine. with the whole cabaret game. Just as soon go back to singing in front of a band, even in the smalls. Sorry, I just wanted to ask you about that music box you bought at Dowdley's last February. You a detective? Not exactly. You did buy one, though, didn't you? Yes, I did, but it didn't do me any good. What do you mean it didn't do you any good? Well, I thought it would soften him up. Soften who, Miss Corkbottle? My uncle, of course. My uncle Ben Corkbottle. You know, General Corkbottle. No, I don't know. You mean you never heard of General Corkbottle? No, I never did. Well, you haven't missed anything. He's an old skinflint and he hates women, even nieces who send him nice antique boxes filled with his favorite Turkish cigarettes on the occasion of his 101st birthday. Is he really that old? Oh, of course not, but he acts that way. He has the box. Yes, when last heard from, he had the box. I wish he had the measles. Would you like to be a good kid? Give me his address. Yes, all right. Give me a bit of paper and pencil and I'll write it down for you. Here you are. I'll write it on this. Okay. Now, look, if you see him, tell him I'm starving to death, which is true. That I speak of him constantly, which is also true. And that if he can see his way clear to sending me a hundred pounds or even a fiver, but... No, he won't. I know him. Well, good luck with the general, Mr. Lyme. And don't forget to wear your bulletproof vest. Stick to you. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
You don't look like a peddler. Oh, no, sir, I, I'm not. I say I'm a collector. Oh, dust collector? Garbage collector? What kind of collector? Well, we'll speak up. Uh, music boxes. Oh, another one. By God, the thing's turning into a positive plague. Come in, come in, come in. Let's get to the bottom of it. Thank you, sir. Well, we'll come into my study. What's the explanation of this wild rash of music box collectors? Who'd want a music box? Blasted things make you jump. Give me the gym jams. Well, come in, come in, young fella. There must be something in music boxes I don't know about. A fine-looking young woman like Miss... Uh, what, uh, what, uh, what was your name again, my dear? Chapek, we know each other, General. Oh, you do? Uh, uh, yes, we do. Yes, well, that's not surprising. After all, you you music box bugs probably have some kind of club or other. Hold meetings, swap boxes and all that, eh? Oh, we're going to hold a meeting, General. You now, can be sure of that, Harry. Now, now please, Myrna, don't misunderstand. I understand perfectly. Now then, now then, I haven't got all the morning. Yeah, here we are now. Now then, before this young fellow interrupted us, you were making me an offer. Yes, for your music box, oh, General. Oh, that is if you're willing to sell, General. What's uh -huh. your price? Two pounds. Uh, three pounds. Four pounds. Uh, ten pounds. Fifteen guineas. Twenty-five guineas is as high as I'll go. Well, that's the highest bid. <laughs> Going? Going? God! No, 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 don't write a check, young fellow. I'll take it in cash. <laughs> You've got a nerve holding in on this. I guessed you were up to something when I missed that list from my purse. You took it, didn't you? Sure, I took it. What are you worrying about? You seem to be doing all right without the list. Only because I happen to remember seeing the name Corkbottle on top of the list, and luckily there are only three or four of them in the phone book. Smart kid. You deserve better luck. My luck's all right. I've caught up with you, haven't I? <laughs> from now on, you've got yourself a constant companion. Oh, good. So you'd better start getting used to it. Well, that shouldn't be hard. Yes? Give me that hammer. Give it another sock. No use, Myrna, no use. Isn't this one? <laughs> How do you oh, do? Good Are you Mr. Are you Mr. Chelichev? I am Count Chelichev. Oh, I beg your pardon, yes. Count Chelichev. I wonder if, if we could come in for just a moment. Well, I, I don't know. Chelichef, I don't know. I, I am pressed for time. Oh, we, we won't take well, any. I suppose uh, I can spare you a few minutes. Oh, thank just you very a few much. Minutes. Thanks. Come in. Most kind of you, Count. Um, this way, swell please. Uh, face you got it here. It is. It's wonderful. I can, I can see that you're a man of taste, uh, Count yes. Chelichev. You've got some lovely pieces of furniture it here. It is possible, possible. Not what I was used to in the old days, in the Tsar's time. Oh, I imagine. What is it you want, please? What well, we have, we I believe, are a collection of music box. boxes. Uh, 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 please, just a minute, one at a time. Uh, yes, one uh, at uh, a I'm time. sorry, Count. Yes, now, uh, what is all it about music boxes? Uh, well, uh, I am not a collector of music boxes. I am a collector of miniatures of the Empress Catherine of Russia. Well, what about this music box on the table? Here, oh, I bought count. that one, certainly. 
But only because of the enamel portrait medallion of Katarina on the lid. She is an ancestor of mine. Who is she? Yes. Hey, look, can't you see the resemblance to me? Yes, and now you mention it's remarkable. But do you mind if I set this thing going? No, no, please don't do that. Please. No, don't. That's all right. There we are. I am not interested in this as a music box. Oh, you aren't? Well, then, in that case, Count, maybe you'd be ready to sell it. Sell it? Sell it? Certainly not. I told you I want it for the miniature on the lid. Can't we persuade you to change your mind? We're prepared to pay. A good price no, for price it. doesn't enter into it, my dear lady. I don't buy things to sell again. Well, this uh, uh, particular music box happens to be awfully important to us. Yes. I can't it's help a... that. Uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't possibly sell it. No use talking. No use arguing. You know, it's a very lucky thing for you, Myrna, my girl, that you've got me as a partner in this business. I hadn't noticed oh, it. No? There wasn't much luck about the Chelichev episode. We haven't got the box. We soon will have the box. How come? Because, my dear old girl, it so happens that just for kicks, I once took lessons from one of the best cat burglars in the business. <laughs> Count lived in what was once a big private house that had been turned into three or four flats. There was a garden and a big wall. That night I got over the wall, crept through the garden, climbed up to the second floor and got through the window into the Count's drawing room. I worked quickly and quietly. I cut a small section out of the crystal cabinet with my diamond cutter that contained the Count's object d'art. got through to the latch unlocked it and seized the music box. And then, at that moment... Just a minute there. What's the hurry? Uh, What's going on? Uh, officer, we've... We've just been uh, uh, burgled. A, a burglar got in my oh. flat over there. He's stolen my father's antique music box. Did you see anyone come around the corner over there? No, sir. He, he can't have come this way. We'd better try the other way. Quick. Here, just a minute, you. No emeralds on that one. No. But it was a pleasure breaking it up. Uh, good afternoon. We'd like very much to see the Principessa Marguta. Arsely. How did you two get past the old porter downstairs? Oh, uh, like this. Oh, I see. You, honey. Well, I'm afraid the Principessa wouldn't see you without an appointment. Tell me, before she was married, wasn't she Mabel Schroeder from Dubuque, daughter of the chain store king? Yes, she and was. And she was divorced from her husband last year, wasn't she? That's right. That's who I talked to. That don't wash, mean huh? she's looking for any boyfriends. With her money, there's always plenty of those. Well, don't look at me like that. I only want to speak to her. I really don't think it's possible. Yes, she all comes right, Ethel. Uh, good I afternoon, uh, people. Principessa. We've been... Uh, <coughs> Trying to locate a music box. A music box? Uh, uh, yes, it's uh, uh, quite... Uh, it's a music box we've been trying to locate. Uh, I don't know whether you... Anybody sent you a music box, Sir Principessa? Uh, yes, sir, we certainly did have a music box. Uh, Mr... Uh, um, uh, a lime. Uh, a lime. Yes. Uh, a gentleman friend of mine gave it to my little daughter, Shirley. Oh? We haven't got it now. Oh. Uh, we gave it away to some charity or other. Uh, what... Uh, I, I, believe, uh, I believe it was a St. Andrew's Foundling Home at Orphanage, down in the East End here. 
Shirley sure hated that music box. Why was that, Princess Pizza? She couldn't stand that tune. Uh, what tune? Oh, you know, that awful tune. Look, this is the place, Harry. St. Uh, Andrew's Foundling Home and Orphanage. Looks as if there's some kind of a ceremony going on. Silence, please. Silence for our director. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen and children, a little while ago, some kindly soul sent to us anonymously, amongst other gifts, a music box. A few days later, little Billy Gubbins, whom you all know, whilst playing with the box, stumbled and dropped it. This incident, trivial in itself, had the most surprising result. A secret compartment in the box was revealed, and in it were jewels. Naturally, we made inquiries in an effort to identify the donor, but fortunately for us, they all proved fruitless. And it is from the sale of these jewels that the building of this wonderful new wing is being financed. Here in my hands is the very box that brought about our good fortune. And I might add, it can still be used as a plaything by little Billy Gubbins. Listen. No, no. Harry! Does there happen to be amongst the visitors a doctor? A gentleman back there seems to have fainted. returns in just a moment. said about honesty being the best policy. I wish I could.
that's the show for today. If you want to hear more from the lives of Harry Lyme, more Orson Welles, more old-time radio, just visit relicradio.com. You'll find everything available there. Links to our forum, shoutcast stream, everything else, Relic Radio. If you like to help support it all, a donate button. That's how this is all made possible. Couldn't do it without you. Thank you very much to those who have donated. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again soon with another episode of Orson Welles on the Air. Orson Welles on the Air is produced by and for RelicRadio.com. Rebroadcast of this show without permission is strictly prohibited.